Guys, this is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Follow us on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com. Brian, the Nets are back. How are you? Um, good. Doing well. Doing well. A lot, a lot of things have happened since we last spoke. I think um, we haven't even addressed some, some of the big things, like Father's Day, you know? <laughs> yeah, this, this pod's going to be all about Father's Day and the things that our fathers have done for us over our lives um no man uh super exciting so here's kind of the situation i'm going to date this pod immediately we're recording this on wednesday morning 10 49 a.m um we're gonna sorry my wife is calling me so things that we may discuss may be dated by the time you hear this but most likely the things that we're discussing are are just in the air brian there are rumors in the air that are not dying continually seemingly at a six hour clip per basis um new rumors are coming out buddy in the newest rumor so much it is maybe one of the biggest ones we've had so far uh so let's just dive right into it that's what we're going to be doing is we're gonna be, i'm just going to be digging through the rumor mill going through the garden of rumors and digging out the choicest of rumor beats for you all to feed you all a delicious Tight. um beet salad Tight. Because um, that's what we do. Get that goat cheese on there, dog. Uh, number one, maybe a little balsamic vinaigrette. Maybe just a little bit, just a dash, you just know. a little sprinkle. Um, number one, so Woj was on Get Up This Morning on ESPN and said something that was is kind of shocking. If you've been following all the discussion, all the discussion around the Nets is that Kyrie Irving is coming to the Nets. He is going to be a Net. Both sides have communicated that to each other, that the Nets want Kyrie, and the Ky- and Kyrie wants the Nets. But Woj sort of maybe sent out a little bit of a warning shot this morning on Get Up, where he said, and not definitively, but he said, if they don't get a second star, it'll be interesting to see if they if they want to have Kyrie Irving as a solo act. If they don't, and then so this is him, and then him theorizing, if they don't take Kyrie, they'll just bring back D'Angelo Russell at a lower number. He's a younger player. So, Woj is not outright reporting that the Nets, if they don't get a second star, they don't want Kyrie Irving. But he is floating the possibility that the Nets could, if they don't understand it before free agency begins, that Kevin Durant is coming or Tobias Harris is coming or whoever the second star may be, that maybe there is probably, there may be some consideration in Brooklyn that it's not just... That Kyrie isn't a guarantee, you know. Um, when you first heard this rumor, Brian, how did you take it? Um, well, I think we've talked about this before, but this sort of fits in line with my like the basketball geometry wisdom that I think everyone has. Like just you know, supplanting D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving doesn't make a ton of sense. That's not a I don't know. That's not the that's not the move you want to make. It's like high risk. You're you're breaking up the you know the family, whatever it is, for a team that doesn't that isn't markedly different or like better. Yes. Um. So 
I think that this jives with, you know, pretty much everything I thought about. Well, I, we've talked about this in text message form. The Kyrie Irving thing doesn't make sense unless it's in chorus with, you know, a constellation of other moves to get big players here. Um, presumably that had been talked about beforehand. I, I had hoped that that would have been a conversation that they would have had with Kyrie Irving or Kyrie Irving's new representation. Um, but... Well, so, and it's... Okay, so the timeline of events is now sorry, it's getting more understandable about what may be happening here. But the Allen Crab trade happened because the Nets must have had some understanding that they had a shot at Kevin Durant. That trade happened before Kevin Durant was hurt. Kevin Durant is now hurt. Um, and we started to slightly see from some corners of the NBA reporting galaxy that there are some signs, not that the Nets are waning on Kyrie really at all, but that maybe the Nets are not exactly sure of what they're going to do. I think before Kevin Durant's injury, the full bore plan was get Kyrie and get KD. I just feel like I've been getting like some discussion from NBA reporters that plug, you know, plugged in guys that maybe that the Nets are kind of maybe sort of reconsidering exactly what they want to do. They're not as a hundred percent all in. I find it interesting, though. I mean, this is the first time that since this Kyrie is coming to Brooklyn thing that we're kind of hearing, again, from the most legitimate of sources, that it's not going to be that maybe Kyrie doesn't actually come to Brooklyn because Brooklyn maybe decides, you know, we don't want Kyrie if it's just Kyrie that they and what what now Woj is saying here, he's not reporting it. He's not saying I've been told by sources in the Nets organization. He's only saying this as a floating possibility. But we have a history of Woj sort of floating out these ideas, not reporting it, but floating. And those flotations become, you know, realizations. Let me ask you this. Yes. Does the recent minor rumblings, I'm not even going to go as far as to say as their rumors, but the minor rumblings about Al Horford, does the timing of all that and the timing of this information seem like maybe they could be talking about even someone as like not obviously not a, on a Kevin Durant level, but does does Al Horford plus Kyrie Irving move the needle if you surround that with a little bit more upper mid level talent? Yeah, so I love I love Al Horford, love him great because I think what he would do, I almost would I would rather have Al Horford than Kyrie Irving. Like I would rather have D'Angelo Russell and Al Horford than Kyrie Irving. And, and Al Horford or Kyrie and D'Lo, like of those three scenarios. I know it's like totally weird to say, but everyone knows I don't want Kyrie Irving. Like if he gets you Kevin Durant, which again, this Kevin Durant situation is like, I still really can't wrap my head around about how I feel about like, should, obviously the Nets should offer him a max contract, right? I guess. But I'm not sure, dude. I, I've gone back and forth on this. Honestly, the more, the more that I thought about it, taking a, a whole year off, with I don't know it seems like a that's a very risky situation I would say like I don't think that that's like as obvious a situation as people make it out to be people are like yeah whatever it's Kevin Durant throw money and by you're paying him till he's 35 and he's gonna take it he's coming off an Achilles tear I don't know it's a lot it's and a I'm lot not worried about with Kevin Durant I'm not worried about like the whole like is he gonna be healthy enough when he comes back but an Achilles thing is is you know that's the the your foot that's your landing area. And if you're not confident in how you're going to land off of a jump shot or making your move, I mean, the, the injury that Kevin Durant suffered, the, the literal injury, when it happened, was him pivoting off of what was his right foot or left foot? I think it was his right, right? Um, it was him pivoting 
trying to then begin initiate his move to the hole. And that's how he tore his Achilles. I feel that kind of injury saps confidence in some way. I mean, players have talked about this so often that the biggest thing about an injury is not that they've had to feel healthy again. They have to feel confident again. Gordon Hayward, like publicly has been talking about how his injury, the biggest impact on him has been mentally, not physically. And I'm not saying like that. Everyone's the same, but my concern with Kevin Durant in terms of physically is that is he going to have the same confidence doing everything that he does on the court? He's not like a high impact athlete to begin with. He's not a guy who is like overwhelming physically. And that's why he uses athleticism to dominate an opponent. He uses his length and shooting, all that stuff. I'd be concerned, but overall, yeah, I'm a little, I'm just in a weird place with the Kevin Durant thing. Okay. If we woke up on July 5th, and the Nets had signed Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I would be, yeah, thrilled. ecstatic, obviously. Yeah, be thrilled. It wouldn't there wouldn't be a almost a better day in my life. Yeah, I mean, this is the hemming and hawing that we're expected to do as as podcasters. You know, we're we're just trying to. This is all a thought experiment, right? We're trying to <laughs> present the sides here. Truly, do um, you want to talk about how your opinions about Kyrie, Kyrie Irving are in flux right now because of a podcast you listen to? Brian's presented possibly the greatest defense of Kyrie Irving's personality that I have seen on the internet. Um, do I you do want to explain what you. Dug I, str- up? I strongly recommend everyone go on YouTube and watch the Kyrie Irving plus Jason Tatum interview on Knuckleheads, a show I didn't know existed. Um, that's Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles uh, podcast. Weird. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, good, what a good world. Combo, yeah. Um, and they. Uh, so like the vibe is, well, I don't know. Should you want to talk about your impression of it or should I, should I give my spiel? You give your spiel. So my spiel is that like, basically you can tell a lot about the relationship Kyrie Irving has with the young, the young boys on that team. Um, which is Kyrie Irving gets along really well with the older guys and seems to have a lot of understanding of the reciprocity involved with the NBA the like reverence you need to have for older people and things like that. Like this is just in like, you know, the first 15 minutes, I I bet you, you will all feel the same way just Mm -hmm. based on this. The camaraderie he feels with those older guys is is palpable. Um, Whereas Jason Richardson and Darius miles. Yes. And then that is starkly opposed by Jason Tatum's boyish awkwardness of the (laughs) highest order. (laughs) A, a, uh, and also, like, an inability... So there's, like, a one really telling part where they're talking about Jeff Wexler, who is also Darius Miles' agent um, somehow. And so this was Kyrie Irving's agent until recently. And Jason Tatum's uh, agent. So lots of Jeff Wexler, um, six degrees of separation. And they go around telling stories or whatever. Jason Tatum, like, kind of embarrassingly doesn't have any stories to tell about his agent, which is fine. Whatever. I guess you don't have that relationship. But then Quentin Richardson's like, hey, you were just a rookie. You didn't get rookie of the year. You didn't do anything other than, like, score 14 points a game, which, hey, great, good on you. And you were on a winning team. And so you got a lot of <laughs> press for that. And But you got, like, Gatorade commercials. You've been on all that. Like, you had all this stuff. And your agent got that for you. Uh, do you... Do you feel, do you have anything to say about that? He's like, nah, I don't really think about that. <laughs> it's like a kind of a really glaring example of, and, and there's moments too where he talks about like Kyra Irving um, giving him a lob that's too high and he got blocked. Like there's like a little bit of shade in what Jason Tatum is it saying. It was the there. first question. In the first question, he's like, so he's like, who like, who busted your ass first? 
and Kyrie Irving has this like good bit about Jose Calderon being like a no name guy who just kind of like you know drops a huge game on him, and that's what they're really talking about. Jason Tatum is misunderstanding the question first of all, and then also um, giving a bad answer, which is mostly about Kyrie Irving giving him a bad pass that gets you know blocked. But wouldn't, Kyrie... wouldn't name a name? Well, he literally said, "I won't name names," even though he's sitting, <laughs> right. Kyrie sitting right next, next to him. him. And Kyrie's like. Dude, like, like you thought this was like you got blocked by LeBron James because you're taking your sweet ass time to get to the rim. Like, this is not like don't like that's not. First of all, that's an isolated incident where you're in the wrong and like not what the question is, <laughs> and and you're fucking wrong or you're you're effing wrong. Um, so uh, anyways, I really recommend everybody listen to this podcast because you get the vibe that first of all you get the vibe that he and Spencer Dinwiddie obviously get along because there was this recent bit about Spencer Dinwiddie sort of being the the yes. person that's recruiting Kyrie Irving and I can I can tell that there is a uh, a like old old dude spirit about the two of them that they probably can can get on the same page with. Um, but I think it was just if you have if you have any interest in reading between the lines of EQ and relationships and all that stupid subtext stuff that I, I imagine most people listening to a podcast like this does cannot recommend that podcast enough. Well, and, and I'll say so you sent it to me over, you know, Google Hangouts and you just said this is the evidence that I'm digging through before a podcast. So and I click on the podcast and I see it's a YouTube link of the podcast that you're talking about with Quentin Richardson. Darius Miles, uh, Kyrie, and Jalen—not Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum—and I'm and I'm like expecting to see. So there was a story that came out. I think it was yesterday from Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb's I think is on Fox Sports at this point, and he tells a story about Kyrie Irving's uh, relationship with Brad Stevens. And one morning during training, like Kyrie Irving came in early to the Boston Celtics facility to watch film, he runs into Brad Stevens. This is all from Doug Gottlieb, and Brad Stevens says, good morning, Kyrie. And Kyrie says, good morning, Brad. What does the word government mean to you? And that is a story that Doug Gottlieb relays. So how did Doug Gottlieb get that story? I imagine Brad Stevens, our assistant coach on the Celtics, probably thought that was a really weird uh, conversation and you know, told Got- Doug Gottlieb, who may be their friend in some way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is the Kyrie that we get, right? With the Most of the Kyrie that we get and that we've kind of you know, frankly made fun of on our show is the guy who asked the question, what does the word government mean to you? Which is a ridiculous question and not something that like it's, it falls in line with what you think of Kyrie Irving. But then Brian, you watch the video that you sent me and what you get from it is a very normal interesting guy who likes to talk yeah holds a conversation with with people in a very with humans charming way like he seems charming. sitting next to um jason tatum who i will be delicate but had nothing to say had and had no interest in saying anything i'll go forward was was not intentionally seeming like an ingrate on a couple of occasions. <laughs> like, well, and like, yeah. so what's important about that more than just like making fun of Jason Tatum and making fun of the Celtics. Cause I want to get to making fun of the Celtics. I'm going to have a segment called making fun of the Celtics coming up all this summer. It's going to be a, a highlight of the show. Um, we, the, the sort of the reporting that we get out of Boston is that Kyrie killed the Celtics that he, that him and Jalen Brown like absolutely hate each other, that him and Jason Tatum have like kind of an awkward relationship, though at the time they had the same agent, so I think maybe we're not getting the full story of that, but that we're probably going to hear even more about that. But 
the newer information that we're getting from this video that you've discovered on the internet, that you've dug through on the internet to discover, is that maybe Kyrie's not so bad, at least in interpersonal relationships. And that was my fear. It was a fear of mine about that. I'm not saying it's waylaid, but it was a fear of mine. Um, and now we're getting this Al Horford news, right? So the Al Horford news is that there's a NBC Boston basketball like Celtics reporter who's saying one team to watch out for for the you know for Al Horford because Al Horford will now seemingly be a free agent out there is the Nets that it's he says specifically the Nets are a team on the rise Al's close ties to head coach Kenny Atkinson and the team's space uh, cap space are reasons why Al Horford you know may be in play in Brooklyn I've seen other people mention it as well online um, other reporters Al Horford wouldn't come to Brooklyn with Kyrie if Kyrie was a bad dude. Al Horford's going to be like highly desired across the NBA. Now it may not be for you know a massive max contract deal, and I don't even know if the Nets would give him that. But he's going to get a lot of money to be on any contender in the NBA. Every team is going to want Al Horford just for what he does defensively and how he kind of calms down in offense. Especially like, after you saw Marcus Gasol win a championship, right? It's often he's, compared. And I think he's better than what Mark what Marcus saw gave the Raptors, which was great. I think Horford's better at this point. I thought I thought Gasol was better at earlier parts of his career, but I think how Al Horford right now is better than Gasol. So, okay, so do we know that Al Horford really wants to come to Brooklyn? We don't. I mean, he's just getting like mentioned as like everyone's reacting to the news that he's not going to be in Boston most likely next season. Who of the teams would be interested in him? You have to find the cap space. You have to find sort of the fit in culture and personality. But, like, the fact that even he's being mentioned as going to the Nets and the fact that we're pretty sure that Kyrie Irving is going to sign with the Nets, we're just getting more evidence, Brian, that maybe Kyrie Irving isn't such a bad... Yeah. I mean, the name of this podcast at this point, Mike, should be... Kyrie Irving seems like a chill bro, you know, because that's that's where I'm at right now. That's my takeaway. And if Al Horford ends up coming on to the Nets, that'll be all the proof I need that everything that was going on. That's really that's that's how little proof I need to to be on board with Kyrie Irving as a chill bro at this point. Just based on that little conversation. Here's the thing: you can't, if you're not a chill bro, you can't you can't fake the funk on that for for ten minutes of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's the truth of the world, you know. Well, and I like I remember hearing him on Bill Simmons's podcast last off season and thinking, you know, that seems like he sounded intelligent and well thought out and all the good things that you would want in a guy who may be leading your team. There's just been so much stuff that happened over that Boston year. There was stuff that happened in Cleveland with LeBron, and there's stuff that happened pre-LeBron LeBron in Cleveland. I can't say that I'm like fully on the side of like Kyrie Irving is my dog. It's I'm still quite worried, Brian. Like I'm, I'm still I'm still Team D'Lo over Kyrie, and I'm still much more in the camp of if it's just Kyrie, I would just rather have D'Lo at as Woj said, cheaper number, younger player, maintain that sort of the same vibe that you created last year, maintain that vibe, and then go back in and make another big move somewhere else. Now. The Allen Crab thing is the one thing that continues to hang over this team. They don't make that deal if there's not something else. They don't make that they don't trade Allen Crab and give away two first round picks if there's not another free agent plus Kyrie Irving. 
that it just Marshawn Marks wouldn't do that. No GM would want to do that um, without like having some idea. Like the Knicks obviously did the same thing on a bigger scale with Kristaps Porzingis, but they were also dumping Tim Hardaway in that deal. They were getting assets in the form of first round picks. They got Dennis Smith Jr., who is fine. You know, he's okay. Um, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but in the post today, they reported that Frank Nilakina is available to be had for a late first round pick, early second round pick. Um, wow, 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 we will. You want him? I don't know. No, I, I, no, no, you don't. That's the answer. I don't know. Um, just yeah. wanted to double back and just get my one opinion of the Brad. Now my opinion of the Brad Stevens telling everybody about the the government question is like, what a little basic betch thing to to do. Be like, how weird was Kyrie just now asking about the government? <laughs> That's so weird, you guys. <laughs> well, because Brad Stevens is probably quite pro government. <laughs> I mean, wherever you fall on your on your spectrum, just be like. Just after he says that, just to turn to your friends and be like, how weird was Kyrie just now? <laughs> Get out of here. Wow, you're so in Kyrie's game. Yeah, that's it. I did it. Once I once you got me, I'm in. Um I do I we're 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 going like all over the place here with this because but like all these things are interconnected, right? Like it's like you can't talk about one thing without talking about the other. So like you talk yeah. about Din Dinwiddie, the report from Mark Stein, which is that the Dinwiddie thing, that word is the Nets guard, Spencer Dinwiddie after his breakout season on the floor, is having a significant role in recruiting Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn. That is super interesting and obviously has some kind of impact on the team. Though Dinwiddie has joked on Twitter that his fan base, half of his fan base wants him to be traded, him, Spencer Dinwiddie, away from the team so they could go do something else, like, you know, sign Kevin Durant and sign I Kyrie can't, Irving. I can't tell if he's serious about those memes or not. Um, I don't know. Um, I think it's it's there's truth in every joke, and... He's uh, he's telling the truth in that joke. I mean, I'm sure he is getting tweets where people are adding him, you know, in the way that they do without realizing that people can see that stuff. That like they're like, we should just trade Spencer Dinwiddie to the Suns for the sixth overall pick. I mean, that's like a popular fake trade in Nets Twitter that isn't realistic, really, at all in real life. But you know, I'm here for it. That's why I. That's what I do on the podcast. Mm. Um. I do really like this Woj thing that he says today is and I just wonder, like, as we go on through today and tomorrow of the draft, whether we start to hear more of a similar sort of line of that. Maybe Brooklyn is considering other possibilities, the other possibilities. You know, we've gone through this evolution of it's going to be Kyrie and D'Lo. And then we've kind of gotten reporting where it's just Kyrie. And they want to get a second star and that D'Angelo Russell will likely not be back with the team. And now we're kind of getting this Woj inference with him outright saying in a, like an idea that he is coming up with, but possibly it's coming from some kind of source, is that, you know, if it's just Kyrie, maybe Brooklyn isn't really here for that. And they would just rather bring back D'Angelo Russell again, lower number, younger player. Um, I mean, we're doing something, though. Like, something's happening because Rondé's leaving. All of a sudden, there's rumors about Joe Harris being on the on the trade block. And and I've said, I said this on Twitter last night, and I really believe it. If you see, I mean, like, I made a big deal out about if Alan Crabb gets traded, something big is happening, and it happened. But if you now see Joe Harris get traded, that's like, 
that I mean, that's just a blaring billboard on the BQE that says I don't know if they're B- billboards on the BQE, but B and B, it's alliteration. Um, that the Nets are making MF and moves, right? Like there is no reason to trade Joe Harris unless if you are so confident that two guys of the caliber of Kyrie and KD are coming. Not even Tobias. I don't think you need to do that for Tobias Harris and Kyrie Irving. I'm pretty sure they had the salary cap space to outright sign both of those dudes. So the Joe Harris trading away Joe Harris, which would be very easy to do, and you could probably get a first-round pick out of it from a, a team at the back half of the first round. Um, I want to stress it, also that um, that's a rumor that was pretty – pretty deep into twitter let's also just say that yeah it's it's a it's it's like there's different like uh rings of twitter right there's the woge brian winhorst shams sort of group Mm -hmm. and then there's the 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 sort of team blogs team reporters right the hardwood proxism or whatever and then we're five rungs down and that's where we get to the joe harris trade yeah yeah (laughs) not a single legitimate person has tweeted that out yet but it's it is in the ether Um, (laughs) yeah yeah and, and also, for that it reason, just, yeah. it doesn't really make sense because even if you had like a, the one guy you'd want to keep on this team beyond like the rookie salary dudes is Joe Harris. If you have like a really good team, because you're going to want a shooter who is crafty with the ball and, you know, can do all the things. Joe yeah, Harris I mean, does. Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, um, Joe Harris are the guys you want to be filling out the rest of a team when you get two big, two big stars. What are you feeling about Al Horford? Now the buzz is building. Um, well, I, I'm actually kind of hoping that. So obviously, I don't want Kyrie Irving just by himself. Like I've, that's been, I've always just sort of quietly assumed that that was never going to be the plan. Like if you get him, it's with some assurance that there's going to be other people involved. Um, so like I'm hard and fast, like no to just not getting D'Angelo back and bringing on Kyrie Irving. That seems to make no sense, and it's good to see that at you know they're they're broadcasting that at least from like a <clears throat> we're protecting the image of our brand at this point you know from the right. perspective of the nets um glad to see that that's been sort of corroborated to some extent um i think the basketball geometry of al horford and Kyrie irving that did not seem to be the problem um for boston last year i think they got like you know i don't know i can't speak too um, closely to the memes of that team, like you know, so we'll have a Celtics fan on when when this all actually goes down, and uh, or Celtics, not a fan, a, a podcaster, someone who knows what the hell happened there on a basketball level, um, because I don't really totally understand it, but I, you know, it seemed like it was pretty fractured in, in a variety of ways. I would be willing to bet that the fracture doesn't stem from the basketball productivity of people like Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. That would be my bet. And I do think that that puts Al Horford back at the four in a place where he's always wanted to play. He's been forced to play center for a really long time. Um, Not his position of preference. He's made that pretty clear. Back with Kenny Atkinson. Um, I mean, like, it's got all the the makings of a nice fit. Um, I don't know. It feels, it feels like, I, I don't, it's not the splashy thing. It's not the, like, this is, makes, like, imminently immediate more sense than D'Angelo Russell just and run the team back with like slight improvements or like just paying Ed Davis what he's worth or whatever. Um, but I think it's, I think it makes us, you know, a, a like in competition, if not like for, you know, a certainly not maybe like a championship, but like the, a tear down from that, whatever that is in the East where you need just maybe one more part. Yeah. And like that's so that's the thing. So like it was stark, it was very clear in the series against the Sixers that the, the Nets 
don't have the defense and they don't have the defensive players to really compete far into the playoffs. Like adding Kyrie and subtracting D'Angelo Russell isn't going to help your defense. Obviously, he's going to he is going to slightly improve your offense, not helping your defense. Um, Jared Allen, you hope continues to develop, but he's limited somewhat in what how much of an impact he can have. I mean, really, as a shot blocking center, it's like really only Rudy Gobert at this point that has like a distinct. Um, every game impact on that level. Jared Allen has a like a, like as good of an impact as you can hope, but the next level above that is Rudy Gobert, and he's really kind of by himself, at least defensively as a center. The Nets need to get better defensively, and that's what I'm really like interested in this draft so much coming up tomorrow. Is that there's so many of these three, four defensive types, you know, three and D types in the draft that guys at the Nets are going, they're going to be around for the Nets. You know, coming up at the you know end of the first round, the beginning of the second round, but Al Horford would make the Nets would immeasurably improve the Nets defense. Actually, it's probably pretty measurable because you'll see points per game drop. I mean, that would be the big benefit. Like you look at him, and people in Boston bitched about this too. Was that he only scored like fourteen points a game, and he had like seven rebounds and a couple assists. He's not like this guy that like looks overly impressive. Yeah, yeah, but when he's on the floor. What he provides is he stabilizes the offense from the free throw line when he has the ball there. He makes the smart decision. He's sort of like Ed Davis on steroids, right? He, like, makes the right play all the time. He's bigger than Ed Davis, too, so he can play center. I do wonder, though, like, if they were to sign Al Horford, they don't have to trade Jared Allen. But it would be a nice relocation of assets. not saying that I would agree with it, but it would be a nice relocation of assets if you sign Al Horford to then flip Jared Allen for to a team that needs a center for someone else or for something else. Just because ultimately those two guys aren't going to be on the floor at, ever at the end of a, a end of a game. They're never going to be on the floor at the end of a game. You're always going to have Al Horford as your 5. And you're you're if you had them both on your team, your center position would be set for every game. There wouldn't be like you would always have either of them on the floor and that'd be amazing. But again, if you're trying to go big game hunting or trying to win big games, it may make sense trading Jared Allen in that circumstance. But yeah, I mean, so the three ways that I can think about it. Well, sir, also, I think we are sort of underplaying. Like the real value of Al Horford is that his, you know, he's one of these passing big men, which is a, a very hot commodity in today's NBA. You know, right? You can do a lot with that. You instantly can break a uh, zone defense like pretty easily with with guys like that. Uh, gives you a lot of versatility offensively if you have a deft passing big man. Um, so Al Horford's value is like mostly tied to yeah, obviously it's like those it's those system type things that you can do with a guy like that. Um, so, but also I'm not a po- like <clears throat> people have gotten away from this, and um, I understand why because like the basketball product next year doesn't make a ton of sense. But bringing back both D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving, I I think should be considered just from Okay, so if you run it back with with adding Kyrie Irving to D'Angelo Russell, like obviously there's going to be probably some basketball issues, but in the off chance that Kenny Atkinson is some kind of true wizard and he can make it work, then okay, great. If they're like, <clears throat> you know, playing five games under 500 by um, February, then you've got two guys in their the primes of their career on on new contracts, um, or D'Angelo Russell before the prime of his career on, you know, contracts that are paying them what they're worth in the first year of it, that's a huge trade asset. So it just gives you a lot of financial 
you know, maneuverability at that point. So I like I, I'd be willing to just like, all right, let's see what it like. Let's see what you guys can do with this version of the product like assuming it'll probably not be great and then like you can flip it for when you know things go awry mid-season as they always do um you can be in the play for when jimmy butler starts to hate being on the lakers or whatever it is you know um <laughs> yeah it it does not make any sense to let d walk if you're only getting kyrie irving makes no sense there's yeah. no like it the asset of trading brooke lopez taking on the um Timothy Ma's golf contract, trading the 27th overall pick in the draft to turn into Kyle Kuzma, all of all the things that you did to get D'Angelo Russell to trade. I mean, remember at the time that Brooke Lopez was the biggest trade asset that the Nets had beyond cap space, beyond beyond taking in salary. They traded Brooke Lopez in that trade. Like so, we always think about that as the Nets took on salary to get D'Angelo Russell. But what it was was they end up giving up an All Star level offensive center and a first-round pick to get D'Angelo Russell and to then take on that bad contract. It would be a complete waste of all of that if they just let D'Angelo Russell walk, and it would be for no reason. I mean, if, if, you, don't, if you don't sign Kyrie and someone else, you have to bring back D'Angelo Russell. For the exact reason you're saying, it becomes an asset play. It becomes an interesting basketball move and an asset play because you have these two guys under control, you hope it works out, but it gives you contingency plans. Where if you let D'Angelo Russell just walk out the door, it's like the, all of the all that like all the intricate little moves that Marx has been building all the years, he would basically just throw away like fifteen well, percent of this plan. I wouldn't go that far. I think like you know a lot of the value that comes from those types of things are tied to <clears throat> you know all of the other like sort of. Not non-quantifiable stuff like we made that trade the team got a lot better put us in a position to be even in this conversation like as Luis Scola said once Brooklyn starts winning they'll get everyone they want um prophetic and, and D'Angelo Russell was a large part of that so you know if you're jumping from one lily pad to the other you know it's not necessarily just tied to you know the lineage of the trade or whatever it is that they you know were first brought on by um I get your point though don't get me right, wrong. right, yeah. and that, so that's the thing. It's like I so I think the I love Sean Marks, and I think he's very intelligent, and he does most things the right way, and he doesn't undervalue assets. We're like some GMs are like second round picks don't matter. Like Ernie Grunfeld again, I'm a Wizards fan. Ernie Grunfeld would classically just give away second round picks because he, I think he literally said they typically don't ever work out. Um, where Sean Marks, like even in the Alan Crab trade. He asked for a second-round pick in the Allen Crab trade because, you know, it's something. It is a, a small asset. It would be sort of counter to my whole thinking in all of Sean Marks' history if he were just to, again, let D'Angelo Russell walk without then bringing in someone else with Kyrie. He made this massive Allen Crab trade to give up all these second-round picks to create enough cap space to where he could bring in two max guys, essentially, for the most part, bring in two max guys. And... To then only get one, and then to let one guy who is on your roster who's an all-star at the age of 23 just walk, that would be very unusual. So I think the only reason I could see that happening, I could see them signing just Kyrie and letting D'Angelo Russell walk, is that if they are so confident that like this D-Lo season wasn't a real thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if they really believe... All right. I mean, he he certainly helped us to the playoffs, and he was really good. But if we're going to look at the totality of the season, we couldn't put him in at the end of games to start the season because 
he wasn't really reliable on offense and he doesn't play all that great defense. I don't care what the metrics say. I see basketball. And he has a history of the whatever stuff you want to claim he did in Los Angeles with the Snapchat, which I know we know he did, but like the other stuff. And then he has this pot possession incident in the Arizona iced tea bottle, which I don't care about, but those are things that people running billion-dollar companies, which is what basketball teams are, they care about that stuff. Um, That would be my only indication, is that if he's just allowed to walk, it's because they don't truly believe that what he did this season is indicative of the rest of his career, that they think it's more of a momentary blip than a like consistent continued arc up into success. I don't um, know. That's a tough one for me. It's tough. I'm not saying it's the truth, but I there's there's literally no reason not to bring him back unless if you're getting two guys. Um like his stats are really good at 22. Like it's not <laughs> there isn't hey, like he's good at basketball. There there's a <laughs> like he's in the high the high percentiles of of productivity at this age for sure. So I do want to hit on like two things. Like if we're talking about D'Lo and we're you know because other teams are gonna have to desire him. That the one like sort of the two percent chance scenario that hasn't necessarily been discussed. I don't think it's ever gonna happen. That's why it's a two percent scenario. Is that the Nets could sign Kyrie Irving and sign Tobias Harris, and then free agency continues to lag on, and D'Angelo Russell still doesn't have a max contract from someone or a big contract from someone. And as the free agency continues to lag on, all the cap space in the NBA starts to get taken up by people. And D'Angelo Russell is sitting out there waiting for some kind of offer. There's a 2% chance that the Nets get D'Angelo Russell on a bit of a discount deal. Not saying it's, it is less than the max. I'm not saying that it's like $15 million a year, but it could be just $20 million a year. And if it's $20 million a year, I haven't done the exact math, I think they they should be able to get him into their cap. By, you have to trade away Spencer Dinwiddie, friend of the show, and Joe Harris maybe. But it, it could happen. There aren't as much smoke there is about all these teams really wanting D'Angelo Russell. There just really aren't that many teams that can do it. Unless if it's like, again, it's like the Clippers want to come out of left field and like, give him a max contract because they strike out on Kawhi. The, the uh, ringer has got a piece about how Carl Anthony Towns, or I don't know if that's true, but somebody's talking about how Carl Anthony Towns has been clamoring for D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota. In yeah, so he, he spoke with, somehow Carl Anthony Towns spoke with uprocks.com. Um, oh, right, that's a, what it was. Yeah, and so what the, whoever was asking Carl Anthony Towns a question, I think this came out today or something like that, where he says, um, the reporter asked, You've done some whispering, some D'Angelo Russell whispering on Instagram. Have you paid attention to all the play movement and rumors this summer? Currently, Town says D'Angelo is not getting whispers. He's getting more of a yell from a microphone. And then he goes on to talk about how long him and D'Lo have known each other, how much they want to play with each other, not just in the NBA or college, but in high school. Uh, Who would have thought? This is the quote from Currently Towns. Who would have thought that we're at this moment now? Uh, Mm. Brian. Mm. I have told you before, though, it's not that easy for the Minnesota Timberwolves to get D'Angelo Russell on their team. They need to do a lot. To, they're paying Andrew Wiggins max money. They're playing Carl Anthony Towns max money. They're playing Gorgie Jang. They're paying Marquis, I think, or Jeff Teague. 
So they don't have they don't have space for him right now. They would have to do a lot to to get to the space that they need to sign D'Angelo Russell at the dollar figure that would convince D'Angelo Russell to move to Minnesota for four years of his life. Mm-hmm. Great town. It is the population of Staten Island, and it's colder. I don't know if Mr. L.A. Brooklyn D'Angelo Russell Alaska Airlines documentary series with Kevin Durant where he goes and talks about his favorite pizza places in Brooklyn, if he's going to go and dig in to Vikings culture in Minnesota. I don't know if that's a possibility. Um, the other the other team are, is the Jazz. Um, by the way, uh, is it are the Jazz or is the Jazz? Is the Jazz singular or is it plural? Is the Jazz. Is the Jazz. Is, is, yeah. is the Jazz. Um, D'Angelo Russell would have to decide to want to play in Utah for four years of his life. And they would have to do something, too, to get to the, the salary cap space. Now, him and like Donovan Mitchell would be... That would be super fun uh, for jazz fans, but these decisions have to be made by D'Angelo Russell. Mm. Um, now, now Brian Windhorst did mention not not as a report, but mentioned on his pod like last week or something that um, the Lakers may want to like may possibly uh, for a third guy to add with AD and LeBron, it could be D'Angelo Russell. I mean, that would be. Uh, shocking if that were to happen, but mm. I don't know, Bri. Wild. I mean, season, don't, what, what do they have left? It's like twenty five million or something, even less. Yeah, now it's like twenty two million, and they're trying to like convince. Yeah, the idea that D'Angelo Russell is going to like the, we wouldn't match that. I mean, we could we could work with that for sure, right? That's my thing. It's that I said it's a two percent chance that he doesn't get the full max offer. I mean, I, I actually don't think he will get a max offer unless it's from a team that suddenly opens up a whole bunch of cap space. Um, I don't think it's out of, out of the question that the Nets sign two max free agents and then figure out a way to get down low enough to match a D-Lo offer. 3D chess, do you think we're basically... Oh, man. I mean, if this were... This is like this is low down and dirty Give a little bit. <laughs> this is a little bit low down and dirty, but this is what I might do. Um, sort of make it seem like D'Angelo Russell wouldn't be matched by the Nets, you know, um, driving the value in the market pretty low and then stepping in and matching the lowest offer. Yes. I think, well, okay. Who knows the restricted free agency market better than any GM in the NBA? It's Sean Marks. He is the one who's used it the most in his time as general manager, Alan Crabb, Tyler Johnson, Otto Porter. If there's one guy who has, like, had the most experience with it, it's Sean Marks. And... Now, maybe teams want to pay him back for what he's done to them, but those teams can't do that. Portland can't do it, who, you know, the Allen Crabb deal. And, frankly, Sean Marks bailed out Neil O'Shea in Portland. Uh, Miami can't do it because of they have no cap space either. And then, oh, the Wizards. The Wizards aren't going to do anything because they don't have a GM at the moment. So all the GMs that could pay back the Nets for that, not going to happen. You know, like... There's a real possibility that the Nets could get a, a, some kind of a discount because D'Angelo Russell is a restricted free agent. That's how it works. Another restricted free agent that's been talked about, and this will maybe be our last rumor, is there's been a slight bubbling up on one of the lower rungs of it, of the Twitter internets that Chris Epps Porzingis may be taking meetings with other teams. That um, he's talked to like a Latvian reporter. When in an event in Latvia and talked about how he's literally taking meetings, not with other teams, but he's taking meetings. Um, we know that the Nets have been linked 
to were linked to Chris Stapps when he was made available in trades, like for that one day possibility. Um, I that is like the one guy that we haven't talked about in a while that the Nets maybe possibly could be aggressive with throwing out a a big fatty offer to. You know who's going to love that talk is your boy Luis Estevez. Lou Estevez, please. Um, well, he's talked about that before. But I just want to go to his um, uh, his most recent. Well, he's got this is this is this needs to be said. So Lou Estevez on the Mount Rushmore of of Nets Daily or sorry of uh, the Glue Guys email sphere. <clears throat> so he says, um, "Psyched to hear the Pooch interview. Looking forward to that one for sure. <laughs> us too. Us too, Lou. Where, Pooch, where are you at, dog? What's going on? Um, just kidding. Uh, we know exactly what's going on. He'll be on here soon, right? You're gonna get him." Yeah, we'll talk to him in August, I think. Yeah. <laughs> do you do Rondé becoming a free agent, probably not coming back to the next? Let me to construct a farewell three stands of haiku for a beleaguered SF slash PF and sometimes center. I always loved the guy, and if he leaves, I hope he ends up in a great situation. So for Lou, I got to do this. He's he's got me. He's got three stands of haiku. Yeah. Last of Billy King from Je- from Jefferson's land, you came. Though three ball, your bane. Your your herky jerky and often vexing moves killed both foe and fan. I wish you the best, noble Star Wars Knight of Knights, forever your fan. <laughs> Lou Estevez. That's pretty amazing. Um, you should make a book of that, Lou Estevez, or at least a blog of it, um, or at least a Twitter account of it. Uh, we need we need more of that in our lives. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, Lou Estevez is a big Porzingis dude and has been talking about that for a while. Yeah. So. It's like I just like the the Alan Crab trade shook me to my core and the Kevin Durant injury has like totally murked up the waters about the Nets. It's like what what could the Nets be planning beyond the what the basic headline which everyone knows is that they want Kyrie and KD. Like what what are the contingency plans or the other possible scenarios, the other envelopes that they could choose their mission if they choose to accept it or not. I mean that's the thing. There's like this, this is what makes this summer so exciting is that there's just all of these combinations that you could play with. Like, do you want Tobias Harris and Kristaps Porzingis and you don't want Kyrie? Or do you want D'Lo and KD? Can you convince KD to come without Kyrie? Or do you want Kyrie and Al Horford? It's all and no one wants Jimmy Butler. Thank, thank goodness. Um, remember, there was that dark. There was a dark month where we thought it was going to be Jimmy Butler. Mm. Um, that was a bad month. Mm. Um yeah, man. It's interesting. I just don't – I wonder – I just – I want to, like, fast forward to July 10th and get some kind of sense of what exactly is about to happen here. I kind of hope that it's D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. I know that everyone is talking talking all that S about that not working out. Um, I'm not sure about that. That's the most fun on-court duo that we're going to get to see next year. Of all the combinations, because, like – yeah, you want Kyrie and KD, but like we're not going to get KD next year. So it's like D'Angelo. Like you know, we've suffered through this podcast long enough, Brian. That I just want to see fun basketball. Yeah, and I mean that's the funnest combo. Like that's a definitely a forty-five win, like forty-five to forty-eight win if you're really maxing out team. Um, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe it really does work. I mean, it's what were the Nets last year? Forty-two. Forty-two. I mean, so. But you're adding in a part that doesn't like 
probably doesn't make sense. If I'm really thinking about it, it probably doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's super fun. Yeah. I mean, it probably adds five wins. Let's, yeah. Um, but you never know. They the When Jason Kidd came over to the Nets, they the Nets were horrible, and they only thought they were going to win 500 games. I think Jason Kidd said that specifically, and look what happened. So We, we instantly become, though, the most aesthetically pleasing team in the NBA to watch on offense. I mean, those two guys are just gorgeous. true aesthetes. Gorgeous. Just a beautiful, and again, it, it leads to that, that super fun lineup of Levert, Dinwiddie, D'Angelo, Kyrie, and then, I don't know, you Just can put Trapeon. Dive bombing the rim with these esthete yeah. athletes. Um, all right, NBA draft. Um, one last thing is uh, we are getting closer and closer to the possibility that Bull Bull will be available at the 27th overall pick. Just continue to monitor that. Continue to read every mock draft you can. Um, steal your friends ESPN Insider passwords. Steal your friends the Athletics account. Uh, go to ESPN Nation. Read every mock draft. Some mock drafts have moved Bull Bull up, as in closer to the top of the draft. I've seen a lot recently, including the one on the Athletic from San Vicenzi, that Bull Bull is now at like 26 overall in the draft. If Bull Bull is there 27, Brian, I am going to Brooklyn myself to turn in that card because we're getting ourselves some Bull Bull. That's what we need on this team. I'm telling you. That'll make the difference. I'll make this a 60-win team if we get Bull Bull. Got it. Lock it in. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We will be back as soon as possible. Um, and great to great to be with you, Brian. Oh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Talk to you. Bye. Yeah, boy.